Titus chapter 1. We're going to look at a verse we have looked at all year long. And for our message this morning, we're going to give a review of our theme and some of the things that we have learned. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Titus chapter 1, and we'll read this verse together, Titus chapter 1, verse 9, the Word of God says, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Let's pray. Lord, we've tried to squeeze as much as we could in the time allowed out of this verse this year and we thank you for what we've learned what we've heard and i pray that as we move forward in our lives that this truth these concepts from your word would never leave us i pray today you'd give us a good reminder of the importance of sound doctrine and how to identify false doctrine and lord that we and our families and the world around us could benefit from our understanding of your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Our theme for the year, <clears throat> excuse me, our theme for the year has been sound doctrine. And we have talked about that every which way. We could say a lot more about it because the Bible's this never-ending well of eternal truth and, and goodness. But sound doctrine really is foundational to your understanding of Christianity, your understanding of the Bible. Sound doctrine is God's method to teach us the truth. Sound doctrine. Churches must teach sound doctrine. If you were to pick a different church to go to, and I hope you don't, but if you were to pick a different church to go to, you realize that most people pick a church to go to based upon how it makes them feel. How the building makes them feel. Oh, they've got a beautiful logo. They've got a, a, a beautiful bulletin. They've got this massive, beautiful building. And all oh, the preachers so handsome. And uh, oh, he's so nice and and uh, boy, the, the pews are so soft, and the sermons make me feel so good about myself. And they've got an indoor playground for the children during church, and, and uh, all the list goes on and on and on. Most people pick a church based on how it makes them feel. But do you know how you should pick a church? Based on what they teach. Do you know you can go to a beautiful building that teaches you false doctrine? Yeah. Did you know there could be a very charming, personable pastor that will not teach you how to go to heaven the Bible way? Sure. Our community is filled with people searching for truth, but it's also filled with churches 
where you could go in there and they won't even open the Bible and explain what it means. I remember when Don and Lynette first came to this church uh, some years ago, they had been looking for churches. And Brother Don, he doesn't have a filter. I think you know this. He, he just doesn't have a filter. If his brain thinks it, it just comes out. And, uh, which is one thing that we, we love about him. And uh, he went to a church, and, and there was the, the sermon that morning was about global warming. And this is a church in town, and the pastor's standing on the, by the door on the way out, and, and the pastor asked Don, what would you think of the service? And he said, well, it would have been better if you'd talked about Jesus. You know, there are churches you can go to where they don't even mention Jesus. They don't open the Bible. They don't teach you the right thing. Matter of fact, one of the most destructive things in the world is false religion. Because Jesus said, you can be a disciple of a false religion and it makes you twofold the child of hell. What does that mean? You're already lost. You're not going to heaven, but now you believe something that's going to keep you from getting saved. Now you're two steps away from heaven. So you have to unlearn what you learn, and then you have to get saved. Sound doctrine is vital to a church. And I'll tell you that if a church isn't preaching the truth, is it really a church? If a church isn't preaching the Bible, is it really a church? There's a lot of buildings, sadly, that have the word church on the sign out front, but they've become nothing more than social clubs. And we, our goal at Curtis Corner Baptist Church is we have to give people the truth. Now, here's the problem with the truth. Sometimes it hurts. Did you ever have someone tell you the truth and it hurts? You ever had God tell you the truth and it hurt? Now you can find somebody that's going to tell you what you want to hear. That hurts later. And it hurts a lot later. A lot of pain and suffering. But God says, let me tell you the truth now and it'll hurt for a minute and it'll help you for a long time. The devil says, let me tell you a lie. It'll help you for a minute and it'll hurt you for a long time. So this idea of sound doctrine absolutely vital and sound doctrine uh, is is so important now what's the opposite of sound doctrine the bible says the opposite of sound doctrine is false doctrine we'll come back to titus chapter one but look at first uh, timothy if you turn back two books in your bible just a few pages first timothy chapter one <clears throat> this, of course, is the aged Apostle Paul writing to one of his protégés, Timothy. And it's not just the words of a man to a protégé. It's, it's actually ultimately the inspired words of God to all of us, to every generation. Look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 through 4. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, 
unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. That means that the Apostle Paul was the instrument God used to bring Timothy to faith in Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So Paul and Timothy were teaching sound doctrine. The word sound means healthy. Doctrine means teaching. So these are the healthy, true teachings of God's word. But some people were teaching other doctrines. Now, if it's not healthy doctrine, the opposite of healthy doctrine is unhealthy doctrine. The opposite of true teachings are false teachings. And so some people were teaching false teachings under the umbrella of Christ's churches. And one of the jobs of Timothy was to charge these people, to command that they teach no other doctrine. One of the jobs of the pastor is to make sure that true, sound doctrine is taught within the church. And it goes on to say, verse 4, Neither give heed to fables, those are made-up stories, endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. And so we see sound doctrine is often built upon fables instead of the truth. Sound doctrine is built on these endless genealogies, these endless questions. Uh, and false doctrine will create more questions in you. It will create doubt instead of faith. It will give you more questions than answers. And we know that one of Satan's ultimate tricks is to make you doubt the Word of God. And so we learned when we when we're talking about false doctrine, we learned it's the pastor's duty to protect the church from false doctrine. We learned that false doctrine causes questions instead of giving answers. Uh, you know, sometimes people will ask, well, well, what, what about this? And what about this in the Bible? Or, or, or what, about, what about this situation? And sometimes it's a good thing for you to say, I don't know about that. I don't have all the answers, but I do know God loves me and Jesus died for me. And I do know the Bible's true and God's real. But see, Satan's going to try to find some obscure question to make you doubt what you know to be true. I had a pastor call me this week and someone in his church found an obscure verse in the Old Testament and was, was asking about it. And this obscure verse in the Old Testament, if you're not careful, it can cause you... To have some doubt about the things you know to be true. Well, dear friend, God is not trying to get you to doubt his existence. Uh, God is not trying to get you to wonder if, if the sacrifice of Christ was enough or if Jesus really is the Son of God. All that doubt, all that concern, all, all those questions don't come from God. Now, wait a minute. God's not afraid of questions. I tell people all the time, God's not afraid of your questions. You have a pastor that you can come and ask me questions. I think questions are how people learn. So I'm not afraid of questions. God's not afraid of questions. But there's a difference between asking a sincere question and asking a cynical question trying to cause doubt. Does that make sense to you? So Satan comes and tries to ask these questions to get us to doubt. We learn number three about false doctrine that 
False doctrine destroys instead of builds. False doctrine destroys churches. False doctrine destroys families. False doctrine about your marriage will destroy your marriage. False doctrine about childbearing will destroy your, your kids. False doctrine about churches will help have you destroy a church. How many churches do we know that used to be good, solid churches that believe the Bible? And then some false doctrine creeps in, and next thing you know, the, there's just an empty building or a handful of people, or perhaps they have a large crowd because false doctrine is often like candy, high calories, makes you feel good, but there's no substance to it. The false doctrine destroys, and doctrine determines behavior, we learn. What you believe determines how you act. And doctrine determines destiny. Doctrine will determine where you spend eternity. It'll determine what kind of life you live. And listen, dear friend, the Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, died on the cross to pay for our sin. He was buried. He rose again to prove that he had victory over death and hell and that he could keep his promise to us that would keep us from dying and take us to heaven. That is the gospel. And that is true. And Jesus is still saving people. But there are churches out there, they'll say, hey, just be a good person, you'll go to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. I just join our church, become a, become a Catholic, become a Presbyterian, become Jehovah's Witness, become a Mormon, become a this, become a that. Do you know we never have an invitation here trying to get you to become a Baptist? Isn't that odd? We're a Baptist church. Why am I not trying to get you to become a Baptist? Well, because being a Baptist is simply a byproduct of believing the Bible. And I have full confidence that if I can teach you the Bible and you go, hey, that's what it says, then you'll figure out you're a Baptist. George Washington figured out he was a Baptist. Did you know George Washington was baptized by a Baptist preacher as an adult? But people don't know that anymore because they're desperately trying to hide America's Christian heritage from us. George Washington was an adult. He was going to a denominational church. He met a Baptist preacher, heard this guy preach for a while, and he figured out, I'm a Baptist because I believe what the Bible says. You don't get to heaven by being a Baptist. You get to heaven by trusting Jesus. And you become a Baptist by studying God's Word and believing it. And so all kinds of false doctrines floating around out there. And we, we have to fight against this false doctrine. Sound doctrine from God's Word is the foundation of everything we believe and do. False doctrine is a satanic counterfeit of the truth. And we defeat false doctrine by learning the right doctrine. Do you know they used to teach bank tellers how to spot counterfeits? And it's very interesting how they did it. They would never just put them in a room and teach them about counterfeit money. They wouldn't have them handle counterfeit money. What they would do is have them handle so much of the real thing that they could feel the difference whenever something else came into their hands. And we don't learn false doctrine by learning false doctrine, although it's good to know what's out there. 
But the way you, you fight against false doctrine is you learn so much of the sound doctrine that whenever you hear something that's the opposite, you go, whoa, wait a minute, I know that's not what the Bible says. Because the Bible says this and this and this. It is dangerous for you to be a Christian who doesn't know the Bible. It is dangerous because there's a lot of people out there that they talk the talk and they walk the walk, but they're not teaching the truth. And there are a lot of sincere people today sincerely sitting in churches and they don't even know they're not being taught the truth. You know why? Because they don't know the Bible. And so that's what my goal is. Every week you come to church, what do we do? We open the Bible, we look at it, we turn the pages, we look at different things because we see these false doctrines. And then, how are false doctrines spread? Well, they're spread by false teachers. So we have sound doctrine, that's the healthy teaching from God's Word. We have false doctrine, that's a satanic counterfeit that Satan's trying to get people to think is true. But how does this false doctrine get spread around? It gets spread around by false teachers. There are people, there are preachers, there are representatives of religions that are propagating false teachings. Look at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4. And the Bible warns us against this, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And look what it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly or definitely that in the latter times... Some shall depart from the faith. Now, the faith is the body of things, the body of truth that God wants us to believe. Your faith is your personal measure of confidence in God. And there's saving faith that saves you. There's living faith that's living by faith. Your faith is your personal faith and confidence in God and His Word. The faith is is the body of truth that God tells his people to believe. That's the faith. And so some shall depart from the faith, the body of truth they were called to believe. Why? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of who? Devils. Wow. Now how do these doctrines of devils and seducing spirits do their work? Verse 2. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. So they're telling lies and they're hypocrites. And it goes on to say, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They don't even know that they're doing it. Sometimes people are teaching the false truth and they don't know it. But let me tell you something, folks. Can we just be real? There are higher-ups in false religions that know they're teaching falsehood. They know it. They know they're deceiving people. And that's sad. And sometimes they do it for money. And sometimes they do it for fame and popularity and position and status. But sometimes they know. Look on in, in verse 4. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Uh, he goes on and, and gives some illustrations that we talked about, about some of these false doctrines. Look at 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 
And these false doctrines are propagated by false teachers. 2 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 1. I charge thee therefore, so some people aren't doing it right, but verse 16 of, of chapter 3, if you look, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that's teaching, for reproof, that's for telling us when we get off track, for correction, that's telling us how to get it right, and for instruction in righteousness, that's telling us how to stay right. So the Bible tells us what's right, what's wrong, how to get it right, and how to stay right. Isn't that good? That's the Bible. And he goes on to say, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect or mature, truly furnished unto all good works. So the Bible allows us to know it so we can go around and teach others what the Bible says and how the Bible can help them. Knowing all of that, verse 1 of chapter 4, I charge thee therefore, because of all that, now I'm commanding you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Verse 2, preach the word. That's what each one of us are supposed to do. I don't get to get up and, and tell you my philosophy. I don't get to get up and just ramble on about what I think and how I feel and, and all of this. My job is to preach the word. And look what it says. Be instant in season. The word instant means on. Be on it. Be faithful in season. That's when it's popular. Out of season. That's when it's not popular. Now this might, this might surprise you. Do you know some of the things that I say are unpopular? Did you believe that? Did you believe that some people would take offense at what I say? But it's not what I say. It's the fact that I'm saying what God says. So when you like it and you smile and you're like, Amen, preacher, and you look at each other and be like, Hey, that's right, that's right. I'm supposed to keep preaching. And if somebody's out there scowling, and this... And look at somebody like, can you believe what he just said? I've had people look at me and go, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, what, it's amazing what we've seen. I've had people cross their arms and stare me down. I've had people roll their eyes. And a, a, an eye roll that can be seen from 30 feet away. <sighs> I've had them sigh and complain. You know what my job is? to still preach the same thing. And that's not always easy, is it? That's why you should pray for your preacher. Pray that, pray that every preacher has boldness and courage and strength and faith and spiritual power. Why? Because in this day and age, when the, the pressure, the cultural pressure, uh, and, and the, the, the political pressure, and sometimes the pressure from as the church gets more carnal and as Christians get more carnal and more in the world, there's more and more pressure on pastors to not say things that make people uncomfortable. But if I stop saying things that make you uncomfortable, now I'm not doing my job. And let me remind you, and I say this with all love and humility, 
I don't work for you. I work for God. Right? And so, if God's happy, I've done my job. But if I walk out of this pulpit and all of you love me and God's upset, I didn't do my job. And so, isn't this 180 degrees different from how most people think? But this is sound doctrine. We have to preach the truth. We have to fight against false doctrine. We have to, to understand and, and reject false teachers. Look what it says again in verse 2. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. That's a pastor's job. Now, reprove and rebuke are both negative. Exhort is positive. Exhort means to encourage. Reprove is like, hey, don't do that. Rebuke is like, knock it off. Exhort is, I love you. You can do better. You know, the part of the job of a pastor is he has to be negative before he can be positive. A pastor has to point out what's wrong before we're willing to make it right. And so the Bible says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. That means we do it patiently. We don't get mean and angry and, and frustrated, but we do it patiently with, with all long suffering and what? Doctrine. Doctrine. So we're using the teaching of God's word to say, hey, God doesn't want you to do that. We're using the teaching of God's word to say, you better knock that off. We're using the teaching of God's word to say, hey, we can do better. God's got a plan for us. Everything's okay. Man, a future's bright. God made you for a purpose. God loves you. But we use doctrine for all of those things. Isn't that what the Bible says? Amen. But look at verse 3. For the time will come when they... Who's the they? That's the people listening to the preaching. When they will not endure sound doctrine... See, sometimes you got to endure God's teaching because He's telling you what not to do before He tells you what to do. But the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Watch this. But after their own what? Lust, their own desires, shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. This just means they're just going to find somebody that's going to tell them what they want to say or what they want to hear. Did you know there's a church out there that will tell you exactly what you want to hear? You can find somebody that's going to tell you what you want to hear. Matter of fact, you'll find a lot of, notice the Bible says you can heap to yourselves teachers. There's not just one. There's enough of where you can have a whole heap of teachers that's just telling us everything we want to hear. But what happens when we, when we surround ourselves with people telling us what we want to hear, look at verse 4. And they shall turn away their ears from what? The truth and shall be turned unto fables or made up stories and this is where people fall dear friend listen i'm a christian too god has to rebuke and reprove and exhort me too we must understand that it's better to hear a bad truth than a good lie Amen. and it's always better to know the truth 
than to find out later you've been wrong and now you're, you, you and your family and the people around you are suffering for it. And so we endure sound doctrine. I want to know the truth, Lord. Tell me the truth. You know, I often pray, Lord, change me. Do you ever pray that? Lord, change me. Show me what's wrong in my life so I can be more like you. Change me, Lord. Part of our prayers every day should be in submission to the Lord. That's what we learned in the model prayer we learned recently. When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What is that? That's submission. Lord, I submit to you today. Thy kingdom come is invitation. Lord, I want you in my life. I want you in my mind. I want you in my heart. I want you in my home. I want you, Lord, to be the centerpiece of my life today. I submit to you. I want your will to be done. You go to church today. You say, Lord, I want to know the Bible. I want to know how I can serve you better. I want to know the truth. Those kind of people don't turn away from the truth. They're running towards the truth. Amen? This... These false teachers, we won't turn to it, but we looked at Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 32, when we learned several things about false teachers and how they work and how to, to recognize them and reject them. Turn back to Titus chapter 1 as we finish. Titus chapter 1, back to our theme verse. We're just doing some review this morning on our theme for the year. Let me show you a couple things in this verse. Titus chapter 1, verse 9. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. I remind you of three things and then we'll, we'll go to the house. Number one, the, the faithful word is the source of sound doctrine. That's what our verse tells us, doesn't it? Holding fast... The faithful word. God's word is faithful. We talked recently about five reasons why we know the Bible's true. We know the Bible's true. We believe the Bible. This is the inspired, preserved word of God. And the, the word of God is the source of sound doctrine or healthy teaching. You know, this book will never lead you wrong. And if you think the Bible's wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> if you think God's wrong, you're wrong. Now, we may not know how we're wrong. We may not know why we don't agree. Sometimes teenagers will tell me, why? I'll, I'll tell them what's in the Bible. And they'll say, well, I don't believe that. And I'll say, that's okay. You're not smart enough to believe it yet. And they'll look at me and go, what? I say, I'm not condemning you. You're just not smart enough to believe it yet. I'm older than you. I know the truth. This is what God says. And the easy way or the hard way, you will come to understand this is the truth. Isn't it better just to do it the easy way? And so the, the Bible is the source of God's truth. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do you know, if you understood everything that God knows, then you would be equal with Him? So it's okay for you to say, I don't know. Matter of fact, if, if you never hear someone say, I don't know, you better not listen to them very closely. Because they'll lead you wrong. You might come to me and ask me a question. I'll say, I don't know, but I know where to find the answer. Let's go look at God's Word and see what God's Word says. Because the, the Bible is the source of sound doctrine. And then we learned sound doctrine is our, our tool to correct and convict those who oppose the gospel. Look back at Titus chapter 1, verse 9. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Now the word gainsayers means the opposers. It's an old English word that talks about those that oppose the truth. And we've talked a lot this year as part of our theme. You know, how do we talk to skeptics of spiritual things? How do we talk to agnostics? What about atheists who, who say the Bible's not true and there is no God and this militant form of, of unbelief? And we've taken the Bible and shown you kind of what they say and, and how they feel and what they believe and how to take the Bible and exhort them, to encourage them, and to con convince them. This is to convict them, to convict them that, no, there is a God, and He is the God of the Bible, and the Bible's true, and here's why, and this is what God says. And then as we are speaking to the ears the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and speaks to the heart, and God is the one that changes people, doesn't he? I don't change people. God changes people. But God uses His Word, and a faithful servant who's holding fast the Word of God, who can give the truth, God allows us to partner with Him to change lives, and what a blessing that is. And then lastly we learn that those who faithfully uphold the Word of God are the only hope to preserve the truth and convert the opposition. Folks, those that know the Bible are the hope of our nation. Those that know the Bible are the hope of the world. Do you think socialism is the hope of the world? I'd love to take a history book and a Bible and show you how those two fit together. You think communism is the hope of the world? You think atheism is the hope of the world? Haven't you noticed that the further America gets away from God, the worse things get? You say, well, we're just going to see how it turns out. We've got thousands of years of history to see how it turns out. Do you know that the Middle East is the oldest part of our world. And we say, well, those, those nations are behind us. They're not behind us. They're in front of us. Thousands of years in front of us. And people say, well, we need to bring them up to where we're at. No, we're heading to where they are if we reject God. These are nations that rejected God. And as America rejects God, oh, as it... it, it saddens my heart that 
children and, and people aren't learning this today. Do you understand what a miracle America is? What a miracle that it even exists is? That it was birthed out of this crazy revolution and that it survived for 200, almost 250 years and, and all of this all of this stuff going on and, and all the world around it and in less than 200 years it surpassed civilizations that have been around for three, four, five thousand years like that because it was based on the word of God and it promoted righteousness in Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? And we're seeing it in fast forward. Just look at the last 10 years as America has walked away from God. Things get worse almost immediately. The world doesn't see that. They're looking at everything through a political lens. They're looking at everything through a philosophical lens. But only those that know the Bible can show them how to look through a spiritual lens. And it's through the spiritual lens that you see how these things are going and, and what the problem is and how to fix it. There's nobody that could step in the White House right now and fix things. What the world needs is more Jesus. What if, what if America just decided, what if the world, what if Christians in the world just decided in 2024 they were going to live like Jesus? that fast wouldn't take 10 years wouldn't take 50 years that fast if every truly born-again Christian said I'm just gonna live like Jesus I'm not talking about wearing robes and sandals and all that kind of foolishness I'm talking about the principles that he taught us to live by love your neighbor pray for your enemies walk in truth the truth will make you free. The only people in the world that know that that's the hope are people like the ones sitting here today and those listening online. What's the devil trying to get us to do? He's trying to get you to sit down and be quiet. Because he knows his only hope is keeping this hidden from the world. You say, well, how do we start? In 2024, here's my encouragement to you. I want you to take what you've learned this year. And I want you to, number one, all of us should strive to live it. We can do that if we remind ourselves of one phrase every day. Do what you know to do. How much better would our lives be if we just did what we knew to do? You know, the problem is not what we don't know. The problem is that we're not doing what we do know. How many times do we say, I know I shouldn't, but... Stop saying that. I know I should, but... How about, I know I should, so I will. I know I shouldn't, so I won't. Let's pray for each other. Number one, do what you know to do. And then number two, tell others 
the truth. With love, with the love of God and Christ in your heart, with graciousness, but with a firmness that is supernatural. With a foundation that rests upon eternal values. With a sense of belief and confidence that catches people's attention. This is true. God is real. Jesus saves. Sin is sin. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Sin always hurts. Jesus can rescue anybody. The list goes on and on. And the way we change the world is by changing our world. You change the world around you. You be the light. You be the salt. Just see how God can use you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we turn to you now. And we have been blessed to learn much of the truth. Lord, we're weak. The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. I pray today that you'd help us to continue on a journey of learning the truth, this never-ending journey in this life of seeking you, of learning the Bible, of learning what's true and how to apply your word to our lives, seeking a life of wisdom. And Lord, help us to have the, the spiritual strength and will to do what we know is right. And Lord, help us, give us a voice, give us boldness, to be able to tell others the truth. And some will reject it, and some will receive it. That's always been the way it is. Some will hate us, some will love us. That's always been the way. The hope of the world, Lord, is those who know you and know your book. And I pray that we would each, in our own heart, seek you in all sincerity. And that we would do our best to live out what we know to be true in our daily lives. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. At the end of each of our services, we have a few minutes of invitation. This is the time to reflect upon what we've heard. And it's also a time to respond.